Hello, everybody. I am excited to speak to you this week. It seems um, we have a guest on with us. So you guys are all excited to learn. So Damon, I'm going to introduce you now. I'm going to half attempt your surname, which is going to be a challenge with an Irish accent. So we'll give it a go. So it's Damon Sanunsanuk. Am I correct? Almost That's really, correct. <laughs> really good. Yeah, Sunan Tanasuk, but Damon's totally fine. Yeah, well, it's just as bad when people try to pronounce my name. So we'll just leave it at that. So um, Damon, who is, you're very welcome to the Find Your Model Health podcast. Damon serves as the CEO and founder of Natural Cure Labs, operating as Palmara Health and Vital health brand in supplements and we're very happy to have you Damon with us to discuss all things monolarin but before we go on I must remind listeners that the information in these episodes is just for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice please consult your health practitioner before making any lifestyle changes Okay, Damon, so let's start. What got you into this field and interested in monolarin specifically? Yeah, great, um, great question. And thanks so much for having me. Um, my journey, my wellness journey started, started back in, uh, well, the business started in 2015, but my wellness journey started well before then. I actually spent quite a bit of time in the United Kingdom, uh, both for university and uh, to work and the UK, like other uh, countries overseas uh, benefits from having you know, social um, healthcare services, right? So I never really had to think twice about uh, my personal health and and uh, getting access to uh, healthcare. Uh, now I'm originally from the United States, so I moved back to the U.S. in 2015, and for the first time in my adult life, I I sort of found myself uh, in a position where I was like really relating to the 29 million Americans who don't have access to health insurance and the 58 million adults who suffer from something called a medication insecurity where they cannot um, afford uh, the access to the therapeutic uh, drugs and treatments that they need to stay healthy. And um, I thought to myself, gosh, um, there must be a better way here. And uh, I set off to um, find a way to provide uh, affordable, accessible, um, you know, research-based um, uh, wellness solutions uh, that don't require um, insurance or, um, you know, a formal uh, uh, path um, such as that. So that was that was my start um, in 2015. Um, I was very fortunate enough to be uh, surrounded by other uh, folks in the wellness space uh, who were really uh, passionate about alternative um, uh therapies. Uh, the one that specifically got me down the monolaurin path was uh, someone who was a fan of something called oil pulling. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the the practice, but uh, for those who are not, um, it's when you uh, put some coconut oil in your mouth, you hold it in your mouth for a, a few minutes, and then you spit it out. And the thought here is that uh, coconut oil has uh, therapeutic properties and may uh, be healthy for your teeth and gums, may uh, draw out um, uh, toxins or impurities. And uh, I thought to myself, gosh, that's that's really interesting. And it got me down this rabbit hole of, of researching the therapeutic properties of coconut oil, which there are many, right? There are, are topical applications uh, for skin and hair. There, uh, you know, people ingest coconut oil in many, many ways through you know, putting it in their coffee in the mornings to using it as a, a cooking ingredient uh, to eating, you know, um, you know, coconut uh, flesh and drinking coconut water. And, uh, you know, the research that existed at the time was really impressive and very convincing, and it's just grown uh, since then, right? And, uh, you know, happy to sort of expand on some of those findings and, and what the research, uh, you know, was suggesting. Yeah, of course. That whole um, coconut oil pulling, it's an acquired taste. 
it did pick up momentum for a while when coconut oil had its kind of highlight moment i i think it's kind of calming down a bit now i mean it had its time in the keto and the paleo space but people are kind of slowing down now i don't know if that's the economy or what but there's not as much talk around coconut oil but i remember people were doing the whole oil pulling and i did try it myself i'm like I'm I'm just going to stick to maybe tea tree oil and cinnamon here because that's definitely when it catches, I, I, I know the benefits, but that whole uh, catchy, oily feeling in around your gums and teeth, that's not for me. So, uh, okay, so there's, there's a, from my own research, and I have spoke about monolaurin um, in the past with my clients, I, I have the type of clients that uh, ask a lot of questions. So I get a lot of topics that come up and I'm always looking for the holistic approach, the easiest way, uh, something that, that is tangible as well for people to do. I mean, I, I speak about molecular hydrogen a lot, but that's still out of a lot of people's reach right now. But when it comes to monolaurin and other kind of um, aids that we can use to our health, uh, my clients are, I'm lucky enough, they're inclined to follow my advice and go and get what I tell them to get but we're all looking I think right now with the environment to take responsibility for our health and all these things as I call them they're tools it doesn't mean they're going to fix everything but they're tools that we can have in our little toolbox and use as we need them so monolaurin being one of those tools and I had mentioned to you um, in our conversations that I had a direct interest in monolaurin for candida and thyroid health and metabolism. Um, and I've looked at a few of the stuff you've sent me and I've shared my own studies and references in my group. But can you briefly mention the benefits that you have uncovered or where you have seen research supporting potential health benefits for monolaurin? Absolutely. And I just wanted to reiterate one of the um... You know, themes that you had um, mentioned earlier, which is that um, you know supplements, by their nature and definition, are meant to be supplemental to overall you know lifestyle and and wellness choices. There's no silver bullet here, and what we're going to speak about today is not meant to be a cure or mm -hmm. some sort of miracle potion for anything. Uh, it's all part of you know people's uh, overall wellness journey, which includes things like eating right and you know getting the right amount of exercise limiting stress getting proper sleep and supplements may or may not be part of that overall approach to uh, health and wellness uh, so thanks for for saying that and i, I definitely wanted to agree and, and reiterate that so there are, are a lot of really great resources to uncover the uh, potential benefits of monolaurin as a supplement monolaurin's been around for you know many decades um it was first isolated, I believe, in the 1960s, and it's found a home in a lot of um, uh, commercial uh, food and cosmetic production applications. It's used in, uh, you know, the processing of of many foods that we're all familiar with, like pastas and ice cream. It's also used on the outside of fruits and vegetables to aid in the transport of these products and the shelf stability. And it's even found in, in cosmetics and and uh, most recently I came across a shampoo that had monolaurin <laughs> in it, which is pretty fascinating. Is that a good thing though, if I, it's in shampoo? Would I think so. I mean, the, the shampoo is, um, it's a French brand. I don't remember the brand off the top of my head, but it, it's, um, it's a shampoo that's meant to support like scalp health, I think. And um you know, again, if people read into the therapeutic uh, potential be therapeutic benefits of monolaurin, you know, there there may be some um, really interesting topical um, uh, properties where monolaurin is able to help, uh, you know, scalp health, etc. I'm gonna look but into that. <laughs> yeah, I'll find the um, the brand and label and send it your way so you can uh, have a look. Um, but monolaurin as a supplement is a relatively new uh, phenomenon. Uh, monolaurin actually comes from uh, lauric acid. Lauric acid is a medium chain fatty acid, which is found naturally in coconut oil and palm kernel oil. It's also curiously found in uh, human breast milk. 
And so infants, when they breastfeed, get a lot of lauric acid in their diet. And their, um, you know, their regional diets, so uh, foods that are, um, you know, make use of a lot of palm and, and uh, coconut oil or coconut flesh uh, benefit from gaining access to lauric acid. And when lauric acid is ingested in the body, it's converted into monolaurin. And this is the property, this is the, the topic of our discussion today and, and uh, the topic of indeed a lot of research that you can, you can find. And uh, before I get too, too deep into what that research uh, may suggest, I have to uh, first caveat that as um, a representative of a supplement company, there's a lot of things that I cannot say. Uh, you know, we're, we're uh, trying to be as compliant as possible and follow the rules as closely as possible. And, um, mm -hmm. and because of that, there's a lot of things we can't say, but I don't think that's necessarily um, uh, an issue because uh, I wouldn't expect anyone, any listener to sort of take my word for it, right? I could have a vested interest. And so it's always best for, for listeners and consumers and the general public to seek out uh, the research on their own. So maybe I'll start um, some of the research topics by like explaining where yeah. um, you maybe um, gain access to some of these amazing of um, studies. Uh, the first and foremost is probably PubMed. So N NCBI is a national database, um, which is maintained by the National Institutes of Health in the United States. Um, it has hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of uh, research articles that are are very academic in, in nature. And, and this is now, a lot of these uh, studies that are in NCBI are, you know, what the industry likes to call maybe the gold standard, right? These are mm -hmm. uh, multi-centered, you know, double-blinded, placebo-controlled um, studies, which, um, you know, are all peer-reviewed. And so this is a really, really great place to start. And what the nice thing about PubMed is it works just like Google, right? There's a search bar. You enter the search terms that you're interested in learning about it. In our case, it may be monolaurin, it may be lauric acid, it may be a combination of monolaurin and, and some some uh, you know, therapeutic benefit you're seeking to, to associate with it. And then you can find lots of results. Uh, the second um, resource I might recommend is uh, Google Scholar. Um, just as the name suggests, it's, it's, it's run by Google, but it focuses only on those uh, academic and, and research type studies. And Google Scholar casts a bit of a wider net uh, when it comes to the the results, and the results are, are fascinating, thousands of results when you search for monolaurin. And the final uh, resource I might recommend is uh, something called monolaurin and more. And one of the challenges with looking at um, you know, PubMed or, or even Google Scholar is that the results that are returned, you know, they're written for an academic audience. Uh, they're written by students. Um, uh, either students, uh, researchers, or scientists, and, and you know, they're full of Latin terms and lots of numbers, and they may may not be accessible to, to everyone. So there's a really nice website called Monolorn and More, um, which distills a lot of the research articles um, into more friendly, like thousand word articles. And what's cool about this website is it, um, you know, it categorizes um, the research into friendly groupings, right? So uh, you know, looking at the website right now, um, you know, there are indeed uh, categorizations for monolaurin and uh, yeast infections, which include candida and thrush and other yeast overgrowths. Um, you know, for, uh, I think you mentioned uh, thyroid, so there's a, a section on autoimmune uh, challenges, and it talks about monolaurin and Hashimoto's. Um, and there's a lot of interesting uh, articles on this particular site, which talk about biofilm formations and about uh, bacterial and viral infections. And it gets even even more explicit and more specific about different types of infections and different types of ailments, which uh, I think is really fascinating. Um, you know, the, the website again, like it's, it's third party, it's not branded. It doesn't have a, any affiliation with, um, with a particular brand. It, it really just summarizes a lot of the really great research out there with references directly back to the original studies, as well as um, you know verbatim uh, quotes from these different articles. So again, I, I can't talk about um, any particular study um, explicitly here, just to stay as compliant as possible. But what I what I can really recommend is like you know folks get out there and and start looking around for yourself. And if there's something that you you could start 
by casting a wide, your own wide net and looking just for monolaurin and lauric acid. And I, I promise you, you'll get some really fascinating uh, results back. Or if you had a very particular interest in um, you know, particular uh, ailment or process or whatever it may be, you can, you can look that up as well. I think most people, well, the people I come across, they have a specific topic or ailment in mind. So I pulled up that website and it looks really great because should someone want to know, like the first topic came up for the herpes virus, like that is quite helpful that everything is referenced quite easily. And it seems to be quite easily digestible for most people, because like you said, not everyone can understand the the lingo, the science lingo that's on PubMed and which is probably one of the top requests I get is what does this mean? It's just kind of filtering it down and making it easily digestible for people because otherwise if people don't understand what they're reading, they can't help themselves. So they do need these filters. So that looks like a really great site. I'm going to look at it more when we're done again. That's monolarnamore.com. Um, and I did see it mentions a bit there about the biofilms. And I know biofilms are a problem for a lot of people, not just for, I think a lot of people, when they hear biofilms, they maybe just think of Lyme disease, but you can get biofilms everywhere and anywhere. As we were talking over the last few days, I was of course doing a bit more research and back to what I'd mentioned that my interest was in Canada. My interest is around where I get questions. Um, and I came across some great research showing the efficacy of monolarn around breaking down these biofilms, which can really be a challenge for people getting over infections and even infiltrating certain viruses, which I found really interesting. So if anyone wants to see one of the studies I was looking at, you'll find it on nature.com. This one actually is called Understanding Protection from SARS-CoV-2, of course, a hot topic now, using metabolomics, um, which basically referenced loads of other studies supporting the idea that monolarn possesses um, antiviral effects against enveloped RNA and DNA viruses. And I think I had heard you mention something about that on another podcast because the mRNA, I mean, there's keywords in the last two years, if you've been listening, that have popped up and uh, biofilms and mRNA is one of them. So what, what, what have you came across on that? Yeah, exactly. Um, so there are different types of uh, viruses that exist and an enveloped virus has been, of course, in, in headlines because of the, you know, the current health uh, situation and um, you know enveloped viruses have this fatty lipid uh, sheath that protects the DNA or the RNA of the virus and these enveloped viruses um, are really common um, you know these can be influenza whether they're um, I think uh, measles is an enveloped uh, RNA virus uh, like you mentioned I believe SARS-CoV-2 is also an enveloped RNA virus and, um, you know, there are some very interesting studies that can be found when you uh, look at any of these websites as it relates to um, uh, monolaurin and its potential uh, relationship and impact with um, enveloped viruses, whether that's a, a DNA enveloped virus or an RNA enveloped virus. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And it's more interesting now because of what we've all just lived through. But this goes back to stuff like monolarn and supplements being potential tools that we can use. We're not saying they're going to fix everything. They're not miracles. They're not cures, but they're potential tools that can help you along the way of kind of discovering what works for your own health. So um, I, I found that really interesting because back to the candidate thing, it can be hard to break into that biofilm. This is why we see reoccurrences. So having monolarn as a tool may help many people um, and then I was looking inflammation is a big one for what I I do I, I do believe from my work and experience that inflammation is one of the drivers behind a lot of ailments that we experience 
And I noticed that monolarn has anti-inflammatory properties, which I think nearly every natural product at this stage has anti-inflammatory properties. But what interested me was the anti-inflammatory aspect around the thyroid, like I mentioned, uh, metabolism, which could be part of that whole hair shampoo thing. If you can reduce the inflammation at the follicles, maybe your hair is not going to fall out. I mean, that could be it. So the, you guys have, because I've seen your team, you have a lot of doctors on your team, which is amazing. I was quite surprised. I was like, oh, it's not just a one-man show. <laughs> There's a couple of them. Have you guys seen or even done much work in your own lab around the anti-inflammatory effects of monolarin? Yeah, so we we commit a significant portion of our effort and resources to the pursuit of um, of research, right? We we never want to produce a a formula or a, a product that uh, is not backed by legitimate uh, research, right? So that's why we uh, we seek out the, the support and help of a lot of industry professionals, including uh, MDs, PhDs, PharmDs, and lots and lots of um, compliance uh, professionals within the mm-hmm. within the space. Um, and uh, we have engaged uh, several uh, providers of of um, uh, human health studies that would do uh, either crossover studies or or like these, like we talked about these uh, multi-center uh, placebo-controlled studies, uh, we've not um, received the results back from these studies. We wouldn't necessarily focus explicitly on inflammation. That's definitely mm-hmm. a great um, indicator of of effects on on the immune system, but we would look for for several um, signals or triggers that would indicate that okay, like the in, in, the immune system is being uh, supported or is being influenced by a particular stimulant, which which may be like a product that we're investigating. Mm-hmm. But we rely a lot on on the literature which exists in the sites that we talked about today, and uh, PubMed and Google Scholar, etc. And I'm sure that several of them cover um, inflammation among other among other uh, properties. Yeah, and again, back to that monolarn and more. Um, I'll check that out for people, but if people want to have a look themselves, it looks like a really great resource. So your product, tell us a bit about your product, your monolarin. You obviously wanted to create something that was going to create this ease of access for people. Your product is derived from coconut. Am I correct? So tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So like I mentioned, monolaurin has been around for a while. Uh, it's, you know, lauric acid or glycerol monolaurate is actually listed on the FDA's GRASS list. Uh, GRASS is an acronym for a generally recognized as safe. So um, it comes in several forms or, um, you know, the first is sort of this loose powder form. And uh, for those listeners who like to encapsulate their own capsules at home, it's a really interesting uh, or maybe fun <laughs> Way of getting your monolaurin, but uh, it's not not something I would recommend. Um, monolaurin mm. by nature has a very soapy, very bitter, very uh, unpalatable uh, taste. So the the main way people access monolaurin is either through pellets or capsules. Now, when we were designing our monolaurin uh, formulas and products, we had to make a choice: like, were, were we going to offer pellets or our capsules? Mm. Um, pellets are a great way to get um, high dose monolaurin. Uh, they come in, uh, for those people who are unfamiliar, uh, pellets are these, uh, you know, teardrop-shaped, uh, BB-sized um, uh, pellets that come usually in a, a tub or a bag with a scoop, right? You take a big scoop and you wash it down with a cool liquid. And uh, again, it's a, it's a fantastic way to get high-dose monolaurin, but it has, its, um, it has some drawbacks potentially. Uh, for example, um, if you read any reviews for, um, you know, pellet uh, monolaurin, people often um, you know, share that they they take the monolaurin in the morning. By the end of the day, they sort of find it in in the toilet, which oh. may uh, suggest that it's passing through the digestive system undissolved, right? So yeah. even though the scoop may be indicating or suggesting you're getting five grams of monolaurin, like you don't really know how much you're getting at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and there are other uh, complications with pellets. Uh, the pellet itself, I believe, is made out of glycerol, which could be an uh, irritant to the 
uh, you know, digestive tract or the stomach. Um, you know, the pellets are heat sensitive. So um, you have to take out the cool liquid. It's not, it's not going to survive a hot mailbox on a summer day. Mm. Um, it's not very convenient to travel with, et cetera. So when we were designing the product, we thought, you know, capsules are probably the, the, the way to go. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to capsules, there are other choices that we we had to make when when designing the product one is um you know the capsule shell itself um do we select a animal gelatin capsule or a vegan um plant cellulose capsule and uh, for our customers who may be sensitive to animal products we we definitely went with the the vegan plant cellulose capsule and then you know when it comes to the so the blending and encapsulation of, uh, of the product, again, there's another choice that has to be made as it relates to an excipient. And yeah. uh, excipient is just a fancy word in the industry for um, like a flow agent or a, a lubricant, basically. Mm-hmm. So uh, encapsulation uh, machines are these you know, very sensitive, very high tech, very high velocity machines that fill you know thousands and thousands of capsules at a time. And in order to ensure uniformity across the capsules, like if the capsule says 600 milligrams, you really hope there's 600 milligrams in there. Yeah. You need that flow agent. You need that excipient. And again, you know, the choice is either adopt a um, a synthetic excipient like magnesium stearate or silica, or uh, choose a um, a natural alternative. And so, of course, we went with the natural alternative, uh, which is um, you know organic rice powder. And you know, just the the you know the ingredients themselves, we always um, adhere to. Um, you know, naturally sourced, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan ingredients, um, you know, things that happen behind the scenes that a lot of customers may not see as it relates to capsule, um, you know, production is the rigorous testing that gets done. So when we acquire raw materials, it always goes into quarantine, it gets tested uh, for heavy metals, for uh, microbials, for, uh, you know, an assay for the presence of, of the product, um, and then, of course, we do testing of the finished product as well, always at an ISO 17025 certified laboratory, which is just a, it's an accreditation body, which means that these laboratories um, are up to a standard, which is the ISO standard. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of um, thought that goes into producing a capsule, a lot of decision points. But uh, at the end of the day, we have three different monolaurin uh, products. We've, um, we have a 600 milligram uh, product, which is the original and most popular. We have an 800 milligram product, which is, I, I believe is a, a unique, uh, the only one of its kind on the market. And then we have a combination product of L-lysine and monolaurin, which is a very, very popular monolaurin product as well. That's the immunity one, right? The lysine? So lysine is a fantastic uh, product as well. It's an ingredient, I should say. It is an essential amino acid, which means that it has to be obtained through a diet or supplementation. Your body does not produce essential amino acids. And um, the the research behind L-lysine is equally fascinating. Again, PubMed, Google Scholar, or even Monolaurin and Mora has plenty of articles in L-lysine and its, its potential health benefits. So the Monolaurin and the lysine that you have, that's in your immunity bottle, is it? It's the you immunity do. blend? So actually, the our whole portfolio is immune-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, like sort of getting back to our, our earlier uh, conversation around sort of um, sort of the found foundations of the company and sort of our, our mission and values. Like, look, we want to provide research-based quality uh, immune supplements, right? So again, I'd like sort of you know, supporting those 58 million adults who can't afford medication and 29 million adults who doesn't have or don't have uh, health insurance. So all of our products are immune-focused, right? Immune-support-focused, and uh, L-lysine plays a big part in. And supporting the immune you know, proper immune function of you know maintaining and supporting a healthy immune function as does uh, potentially monolaurin as does uh, you know I, all of our products and ingredients what you may be thinking of we have a product called um, immune support uh, it's a rather generic name but it's yeah. self-explanatory it's a proprietary 16 ingredient blend which we really really labored over again like every ingredient has a, a dossier of, of supporting uh, studies that uh, you know can support its um, its impact on on immune health. The just back to what you were saying, and I hope I'm not catching you off guard here because my brain really works over time when I'm talking to people. Um, and what you were saying about the powder being very soapy and bitter. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. assuming that 
within your capsules is just a concentrated powder and someone could potentially break them open and add them to let's say warm water mm-hmm. um if they're bitter potentially anyone listening this could be very beneficial for the vagus nerve to further support gut health by stimulating vagal activity and enzyme production and bile and all that. I mean, nobody wants to eat soap, but nobody wants to have a bad gut for the rest of their lives. And I'm known for saying, eat your bitter, tart, sour things. So if you're buying capsules, I think why couldn't you just crack open the capsule to get the bitter taste and not only are you getting the benefits from the monolarn, but you're getting this kind of multi-level benefit of stimulating with the bitter taste and whatnot. Um, and then the second thing I was thinking, you said you guys um, use rice in it as more of kind of a binder have you considered at all and i'm just curious if you had considered magnesium stearate for people who have rice allergies because that just popped in my head i have several clients that can't take certain supplements because they have rice allergies and i know the the information is hit and miss about magnesium stearate i've done a podcast episode on supplements and binders i know um i don't know if you know paul saladino he talks about the benefits of magnesium stearate i was just considering i was like oh well my clients that have rice issues now maybe magnesium stearate i don't know if you'd considered it but like i said my mind just goes yeah no great great points and i'd be very happy to uh, to address all of them so excuse me, your first point around the bitterness and can, can a capsule be opened and just the contents uh, taken either in water or, or another sort of delivery uh, vehicle? Um, of course, yes. Uh, some some customers do, um, you know, if you have a hard time like swallowing uh, capsules, for example, you can open the capsule, put it in, uh, whether it's water or applesauce or pudding or whatever it may be. It really, really is bitter and, and soapy. And uh, I, I'm not familiar with the, sort of the benefit that you're describing around uh, the bitter taste. Um, but there are a lot of studies on monolaurin and gut health, actually, um, a lot. If you go to the monolaurinandmore.com uh, website, I think there's a whole section on gut health um, and monolaurin. Uh, what's really nice is uh, from the research that we've seen, monolaurin does not uh, negatively impact uh, the healthy gut flora. Uh, is not does not contribute to antibiotic resistance and and can really uh, be beneficial to overall uh, gut health. Um, but yeah, but but that said, um, yeah, I, I'm just not familiar enough, I guess, about the the benefits of like tasting bitterness rather than just having the sort of the bitter uh, substance like enter the uh, the digestive system without having to suffer through the <laughs> the taste of it. Well, now, now you've got something to look up because we're my followers, my clients, we're all about the bitter and the apple cider vinegar and all that. Yeah. So you'd be surprised what people will do. I've had people do some <laughs> crazy things, but yeah, definitely. I could see the connection for sure. Okay, and then, great. yeah. And then regarding the magnesium stearate question, um, yeah, a rice allergy, uh, from my understanding, is rather rare. Uh, maybe not within your uh, community or or your um, sort of customer base, but um, look, when it it came to uh, assessing the trade off of whether or not to use magnesium stearate or organic rice powder, uh, our research had led us to believe that magnesium stearate may or may not uh, contribute to um, you know some s- digestive sensitivities. It may upset the stomach. Um, it it may or may not slow the absorption of the product you're trying to take. So some studies suggested that there are maybe some vitamins or minerals that may not be as well absorbed if, if taken with magnesium stearate. And so we thought, um, and unfortunately, monolaurin, because of its soapy nature, is a very sticky substance and really has to have some sort of uh, excipient blended with it. It's very, very little, but it needs something. Uh, so we made the conscious choice to pursue um, the rice powder. Uh, we've used a couple variants. Um, right now we use rice flour, which is basically micro ground uh, rice, but we've also used a really interesting uh, rice byproduct 
the commercial name is ribus, but um, what they do is they use um, rice husks and hulls of like the rice production process, which is a waste product. I, you know, it's usually either disposed of or maybe turned into animal feed, um, but they can take this rice hull and grind it up and it has a, a very similar um, effect in, in capsule manufacturing. So uh, that's, that's what we've uh, toyed with, you know, pr producing, um, a variant that uses magnesium steroid is definitely something we can we can further explore. Yeah, it is just an idea, and it is quite rare. But um, I must be lucky. I have like three clients who have rice allergies, which which is surprising because rice is one of the foods that we would use on a hypoallergenic or elimination diet or something, but. I was just just curious. We, magnesium stearate generally is the excipient that most manufacturers will go to as well. So with your product, I'm curious to know uh, what dosages are you guys, do you see the benefits? I know you mentioned you have different products, but is there specific dosages? How often are we taking them to kind of reap the rewards that might come? Right. Um, great question. Uh, the dosing, is, of course, will depend on the individual, on your you know, personal tolerance or sensitivity to supplements, your age, weight, gender, a number of factors will contribute to dosing. And uh, what I have to recommend is that, um, you know, um, individuals seek the professional um, support and uh, guidance of a medical, uh, you know, professional, your general practitioner, et cetera. So um, when it comes to like taking monolaurin and, and the dosing, um, there are three uh, considerations or three generally uh, pursued <laughs> paths to, to dosing. The first is an introductory phase, right? So you and your clients may be familiar with a phenomenon called the Herxheimer reaction. So the Herxheimer reaction, for those who are not as familiar, is, uh, is a, is a die-off reaction. And it's this curious thing that happens um, when, uh, gosh, when you're, for example, taking an antibiotic, maybe you're, you have um, an infection, you're taking an antibiotic and the antibiotic, um, you know, causes a rapid die off of a pathogen within your body. That rapid die off will um, cause the release of these protein endotoxins, which flood the, the system. And your body has this, um, this, uh, this response um, uh, which is ironically similar to a, like a cold or flu. So you may get like a low grade fever, some body aches, uh, you may feel like kind of icky, right? And even though you're quote, getting better because you're taking antibiotics, you may feel worse, right? Uh, which is a really, really curious uh, reaction. So in order to avoid, potentially avoid this potential Herxheimer reaction, uh, a lot of people uh, choose to take monolaurin, uh, through this like low and slow introductory phase. So you may start with like one capsule a day and slowly increase that over time to two capsules, three, you know, whatever level you're, you're aiming to get at over the course of, of time. You're sort of listening to and responding to your body and um, its, uh, its tolerance. Um, the second uh, way to take monolaurin is, uh, uh, again, as like sort of a daily driver supplement. So as many people might take vitamin C every day or vitamin D or a, a multivitamin, um, there is no documented upper limit to uh, you know, taking monolaurin. And indeed, even the FDA's GRASS publication on, on glycerol monolaurate um, indicates that, you know, they're under good manufacturing processes, it can be taken um, uh, with that, without restriction. So a lot of people choose to take monolaurin, you know, uh, sort of as a daily supplement. Um, monolaurin can be taken with or without food. As you, I'm sure you know, uh, some vitamins and minerals are um, made or are, can benefit from food because of the bioavailability of it, especially fat soluble uh, vitamins, you know, could really benefit from being taken with some food. Uh, monolaurin, I, I don't know if, if that's necessary, but a lot of people who, who may have, um, uh, sensitivities to like the soapy bitterness of it all may, may benefit from taking some food and sort of, you know, um, calm the digestive system. And then the third way to take monolaurin is again, as you would take a, a little bit extra, um, 
uh, vitamin when you're not feeling very well. Like a lot of people choose like up their dose of zinc, for example, like, oh, I, I have this scratchy throat, or I feel like I'm coming down with something, like I'll, I'll take a little extra zinc or a little extra vitamin C. A lot of people choose to do the exact same thing with monolaurin. So uh, if you feel like you need a little bit extra support in your immune system, uh, you can up up monolaurin. But again, it, it really comes down to the, in the personal uh, sensitivity and sort of um, a tolerance to supplements in general. And I highly recommend that you know, monolaurin be taken uh, under the uh, direction and supervision of a medical professional. Yeah, we talk about superdosing a lot with my clients. So that's what we would call it, where you would superdose because maybe you have like a head cold come on or your hip is sore. Maybe we'll superdose with certain omegas or something. Um, but what you were saying about the Herxheimer reaction, that whole, why do I feel worse? I'm supposed to be getting better. Like, what's wrong? Like, a lot of people will jump the gun and say, oh, I can't take that because this supplement made me feel worse. But sometimes you have to give it a bit of time. Um, and my people, you guys know these endotoxins, you know well about lipopolysaccharides, you know what they do. So um, I'm I'm very fortunate that I would say my followers are really smart, that they're really going to get this, what we're talking about. So the dosing, uh, I was curious about that because I was wondering, well, is there a loading phase? Like there would be some other supplements, but it seems like just kind of pace yourself. I think most people who are in this space that would listen to us and follow what people like us are doing they're kind of got some good intuition and anyway they'll know their body this is good or bad or this is upset my stomach or whatever um we we do have to give people credit some people are very wise so i'm going to always work with a practitioner when it comes to what i'm going to ask you about next like is this is monolarin going to be complementary with other supplements like we see some fatty acids can complement other supplements when taken together is there going to be a contraindication maybe you don't understand your body this is why you need to work with some sort of practitioner so they can guide you maybe you are having Herxheimer symptoms but you're panicking and you don't understand so it's really important and that was my next question have you seen any contraindications around monolarn what about safety now i i'm pretty sure i know the answer but pregnancy safety any concerns around it yeah great questions um a lot of customers do ask us about um you know reactions with other with their diet or uh, medications they may be taken taking um we don't have research or evidence to suggest that there are um, complications or reactions with with other medications. But again, I have to reinforce the uh, the fact that you know you should be working with a practitioner when when taking any um, you know, supplement. Uh, it is monolaurin can be very complementary with other other supplements. Um, there's a lot of research on monolaurin uh, along with L-lysine, which is exactly why we have the combination product. Uh, they work hand in hand. Um, you know, as it relates to, you know, certain, uh, you know, disease profiles, which again, can be researched on monolaurinandmore.com and ones that I can't unfortunately um, really dig into here. But, um, you know, again, uh, glycerol monolaurate, which is a chemical term for monolaurin, um, is again, uh, grass uh, listed. So, um, you know, within the GMP guidelines, um, it, it should be safe to use. I, I've read several articles of people who, of you know, publications that suggest that, you know, upper doses of monolaurin can exceed you know, six grams a day, that, uh, you know, people can take it for an extended amount of time without, without issue. Um, and that uh, in, wow. indeed it is, it is safe because uh, from, you know, from our research understanding, it's used commercially in meat processing and food processing and vegetable and fruit transportation and in topicals. Uh, I've seen um, you know, creams and and um, lip balms and salves and other things of that nature that all um, sort of employ the you know, therapeutic benefits and nature of monolaurin. And uh, it's been around since the '60s, and I, I think that it's very, very well tolerated. Uh, within the you know, within the use cases that we're discussing today. 
So you haven't seen any kind of bowel tolerance, any upper limit there. I mean, six grams is quite a lot. That's that's where we'd be heading with magnesium for bowel tolerance. Yeah. So, I mean, there are, I guess you could develop, it's not an adverse reaction, but, you know, with taking a lot of anything, you could get, uh, for example, uh, stomach upset, diarrhea, cramps, uh, things that you would expect from taking a, a a large amount of any fatty acid, right? So mm. monolaurin is uh, is at the end of the day a, a twelve chain um, fatty acid, and you know, that can can probably lead to some digestive issues if you take a lot of it. Yeah, that and that's key for people to understand as well. Monolaurin is a twelve carbon chain fatty acid that's found in coconut. And yes, we do want to be careful with certain molecules, but a bit of common sense as well, people, because if it comes from coconut, I get this question as well about um, collagen. Is it safe for this, that, or the other category? My kids, my pregnancy. And I'm always apprehensive to say yes or no, but sometimes it's a bit of common sense. If if this was going to be a problem for you, you wouldn't be able to eat coconut. You wouldn't be able to eat animal meats. Animal meats contain collagen. Or um, I'll get questions about vitamin C. Well, if you couldn't tolerate vitamin C, you couldn't eat fruit and vegetables. So sometimes let's just think about it. But I definitely would be curious about the bell tolerance. If I ever try that, I'll let you know about that. Um, but something that kind of sparked my interest earlier um, and I think this will be the last question and then we'll wrap it up. But this I'm curious uh, and I don't mean to um, break the horse's back talking about Canada, but this sprung to mind. Monolaurin and caprylic acid. What do you think about the comparison there? Like what say you on this topic? They both come from coconut oil. They both have a lot of the same properties. Yeah, in fact, uh, coconut oil contains three or, or more of these medium chain fatty acids. Uh, I think it's capric, caprylic, and lauric acids all exist in, in coconut oil. Uh, lauric acid being the lion's share of the fatty acids found in coconut oil. Um, it's about 50% of all, all of the um, fatty acid content of coconut oil. Look, there are incredible, um, there's good research on, on capric and caprylic acids as well. Right, they 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 both contain, um, you know, potentially you know, immune supporting um, uh, properties. I think that the scientific community sort of rallied around lauric acid because of the results that have been found in some of these studies that have been going on for the last couple of decades. Um, I don't. I think that they can they can be complementary because, like, look, when you take coconut oil, you're taking all three of these fatty acids at the same time, and um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, commercially, there are some companies that produce blends that contain the extract, other extracts of coconut uh, oils, such as capric and caprylic acids. Um, but I don't, I don't have a, a ton of commentary on, you know, it's sort of the, any synergistic benefit of taking these, these different fatty acids together or isolating them and taking them individually. You know, our research has led us to come to the conclusion that lauric acid is the hero of the the story here, and so that's why we've we've invested so much time and effort to to support and educate on on the uh, the benefits of of lauric acid and monolaurin. We'll we'll have to have them fight it out. If I if I come up with a lot of money, I'm going to get a lab, and we're going to compare who's better, who's going to win. <laughs> so hopefully your product wins, so you don't have to change everything. Um, but uh, caprylic acid is popular with my clients. Obviously, I sound like a broken record. Candida, fungal overgrowth, even bacterial vaginosis. These are big things that people are dealing with. So. Caprylic acid is usually most people's go-to, but now I'm very curious as to the whole monolaurin, the efficacy, how effective is this going to be? I will keep you updated because like I said, a lot of my clients, they will do, they'll do what I tell them to do. They're great like that. Um, so they'll always give me feedback. Oh my God, this worked immediately or amazing, or my symptoms are gone in three days or whatever. So um, I'll let you know if I get feedback on that. But this has been really interesting um, because although I've spoke about monolaurin a lot, I really think uh, 
audio is the way of the future that people will listen rather than read nowadays. I think you probably agree there that we're too busy. We're just let, just let me listen to it. So this is gonna be really helpful for people. So thank you for joining me, us, everyone, Damon. Where can my followers, where can people find more about you? And I know we've covered the MonoLearn and more website, but you and your products and just more information there. Yeah, thank you. Um, we can be found at uh, naturalcurelabs.com. Um, we keep a very low profile on social media because, again, we are trying our, our absolute best to be as compliant as possible, and there's a lot of things we we can't uh, say. So uh, Natural Cure Labs is um, the best way to find us. Uh, we are in the process of a gradual um, name change. Uh, we're rebranding as Palmera Health, as you indicated at the top of the show. Uh, the little bit of story behind Palmera is that, um, you know, Palmarius is an ancient Roman term, which um, means uh, someone or something extraordinary because the root of the word comes from uh, palm, uh, because the palm frond, the palm leaf, was given to the victor of a competition in ancient Roman uh, times. And so we, we love the sort of connection between you know, something extraordinary. You know, palm, palm produces coconut, which is, again, uh, such an integral part of our offering. So we're slowly changing to Palmera Health. So what, you know, depends on when people choose to seek us out, but either searching Natural Cure Labs or Palmera Health should get you to the right spot. And, and um, you know, we've got a great team of folks who are absolutely dedicated to providing exceptional uh, customer support, answering questions and providing educational materials. And uh, we're very, very eager uh, to help. Well, that, that really just rounded out our conversation nicely. That was really interesting about the Romans. There's a lot of ancient wisdom out there and obviously makes a lot of sense. We all want to be extraordinary, which should drive people more towards your website as it is. But uh, I like it. I like the connection. So I'll keep an eye out for the changes. Thank you for joining me. It's really been a pleasure. Um, and like I said, when I, when I get some feedback on bell tolerance and the whole candidate thing, I'll let you know just how we went. We're not going to do any research, but I'm just going to give you some feedback. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. The pleasure has been all mine. And, Thank um, you yeah, very much. I really much. hope that uh, you and your customers, or I'm sorry, your, your community uh, walks away with something. And again, don't believe me. Please do the research. <laughs> Figure it out for yourself. Uh, you, know, you should become, be, become very, very comfortable with with anything you decide to, to introduce into your overall wellness routine and you know work with your practitioner and uh thanks again yes absolutely thank you damon thanks so much for joining us